If the relationship of father to son could really be reduced to biology, the whole earth would blaze with the glory of fathers and sons. Film critic T.T. Sternenzi quotes James Baldwin in a beautiful essay on how fatherhood is portrayed in film. This is Cincinnati Edition on 91.7 WVXU. I'm Lucy May. T.T. Sternenzi set out to find new films that redefine these roles as he explores for himself what being a father has meant to him. He joins me now to talk about some of these movies and share his thoughts about being a dad. Welcome back, T.T. Thank you. Love, love, love this essay. Everyone should read it on our website, wvxu.org, after you listen to this conversation. Don't do it right this minute. Um, But you set out to explore portrayals of fatherhood in your recent trip to Sundance Film Festival. This is very personal for you. What did you set out to find? You know, I don't know that I necessarily set out to find any one thing in particular. Um, I've been going to festivals now for... 15 or 20 years. And part of the experience is you always kind of go in and let the themes kind of emerge for you. This is one really the first time I've gone in with a theme in mind and was kind of like, okay, there are going to be stories about fathers and fatherhood in here. Let's see what we get. And I wasn't disappointed at all. Um, And I would have to credit and I had the the crew of critics that I stayed with while I was there, because a couple of these selections that are on this list were films that were recommended to me by other critics who had seen the films and were kind of like, hey, I, I know what you're looking at, what your project is. Hey, you should check this out. So it was really a great testament to not just my own kind of, you know, dogged determination to try to find this, but there was a whole community of critics who were kind of supporting me as I was going along, and it was really great. Yeah. And how much of this quest really relates to your own experience with fatherhood, both as a a son and as a stepdad? It is all of those things at once. Uh, Yeah, the journey is really about me trying to figure out uh, what fatherhood really means to me in my case. Again, I don't have biological children. I'm the stepfather of, of two amazing, amazing, amazing people. Um, but I was also raised by a stepfather who was raised in turn by his stepfather as well. So there was an an interesting notion for me to look at the idea of three generations of black men who were raised by men who were not their birth parents, their birth fathers. So, you know, and again, and as we talk about fatherhood, especially focusing on black men, we don't normally have such high opinions and high esteem for, for black men as, as fathers. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, in my case, I was kind of like, wait a minute, there's this, this really interesting notion that, that, you know, the three of us were raising other people's children as our own, and we don't see that, and we don't hear that story enough, and then it just made me think, well, wait a minute, how, how do we see fatherhood in general? And w- in, in those portrayals, would it be different if we were looking at black fathers versus the the fathers that we get in those stories. Well, and you wrote that, that portrayals of fatherhood generally are, are limited, but even more limited for black fathers. Um, talk a little bit more about that, those limitations or the kind of boxes that films tend to put around fathers. You know, I... You know, I started this essay off and part of it was just a thought exercise for me to try to figure out, okay, well, who are the, you know, defining iconic 
black performers out that are out there. And then when I thought about all of these people, you know, Samuel L. Jackson, Denzel, Sidney Poitier, then it was kind of like, well, wait a minute, how often have they been portrayed as fathers on screen? And, you know, all of a sudden you take this huge wealth of experience on screen that we have, and then it really narrowed down to an incredibly small number of performances. And oddly enough, Will Smith kind of popped up in there for me because it's kind of like, well, wow, he's done this a couple of times. And more importantly, he's done it with his son, which is another fascinating piece of how that dynamic gets played out. But again, as you're looking at, you know, sort of all of that, just, okay, if we're not going to see black men in this way, how do we see fathers in general? And I was amazed with the idea that when you look at how fatherhood is portrayed, you get a very interesting and complex look at fatherhood in general without it really focusing on black men. We don't, again, we're either not there or we don't get to be seen as the truly complex and sometimes incredibly dysfunctional people that we might actually be in real life. And I wanted to I wanted to explore that a little bit more. Yeah, that most humans are in real life. Right. Yeah. yeah. I'm talking with film critic T.T. Stern-Enzi about some new films that explore fatherhood and how black fathers in particular are portrayed in movies. Let's talk about some of these movies. One of the films you saw that touched on this theme of fatherhood was In the Summers. What's the premise of that film? Yeah, I, I was completely engrossed with the idea of this film. It is a story of um, two sisters who end up spending the summer with their father. Well, not just the summer, several summers with their father in New Mexico, I believe. And it just kind of tracks this journey that obviously they're, you know, their parents are divorced. Their father went back to, I guess, his home community, if you will. And as they see him in the summers, there's just the initial idea of being excited to spend time with their father. But as the summers continue to kind of unspool over the course of the narrative, you get the sense that, yeah, the the heightened tensions and, and disagreements that may may spring up will lead to some very different kind of dynamics. And literally, in one case, the older sister, you know, four or five years into these these trips, decides, I just don't really want to come and spend time with him anymore. Mm-hmm. And how does that impact, you know, the other sister who does go, or how does it impact the idea that, again, he basically creates a whole new family there as well. So as they come in in the summers, how do they integrate with their siblings now? Mm-hmm. And what does that dynamic look like? And it is, again, like I said, it's a fascinating story. And I think I wrote about it, and the thing that really cracked me up is as much as I wanted to focus on that father-child dynamic, it was just as much a beautiful story about just these two sisters and how they were interacting with each other as well. Uh, so that sense of familyhood gets you know kind of expanded a little bit, but it still is, at the end of the day, it's rooted in their relationship with him mm-hmm. in one way or another, and I think that was the... That was the thing that kind of that struck me. And again, I have two kids and that dynamic was, as I wrote about it, a little different because, you know, I, I'm on the other end of that dynamic. My kids had their father in their lives as well. But, you know, 
we there's no story about the stepfather of those kids. Mm-hmm. There's just the story of, you know, the kids and the time that they're spending with their father during the summer, which in some ways made me think about what was the dynamic potentially like for my kids when they spent time with their father, not just during the summers. He was he's he's here and has been a part of their lives, but there's something different, something almost unknowable to me, at least, about that relationship that I was intrigued by. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you're not there when they're with him. You're, it's, right. a, it's a whole different perspective. You also saw da- Daughters, this documentary that just sounds heartbreaking. What's that movie about? Yeah, that this one was. It's I would say it's heartbreaking, but it's also really hopeful in a lot of ways, too. It looks at a group of uh, incarcerated men in D.C. who you know, are coming to recognize that they have had an impact on you know, their children, especially their daughters. And the prison system that they are in kind of says, okay, well, hey, let's see if we can do something more to foster and develop the relationships that are obviously fractured by the idea that these men are are in prison in some cases for decades. So they created a, a program where these these men and their daughters could come together and have a father-daughter dance in the facility, in the prison. And what would that look like? So you capture, you know, the relationships as you're leading up to this dance. And in some cases, it's the heartbreaking part is the fact that you have kids who are so young, they may not even understand why their fathers are not with them in the first place. But then you have a couple who are older who do recognize and they see that, okay, yeah, my dad's in jail. And... You know, he's not around. He doesn't get to see, help me with homework, see me, you know, in sports or plays or whatever else. But he's trying his best to have this moment with me. But is that moment enough? And that was just a crushing thing to watch. And it was also, you know, a little devastating in a way, but also made me feel pretty good because I remember doing the the father-daughter dance with, with my youngest. And I... Cannot. I'm sitting here now, and I'm smiling. If you know this, if there were a camera here, you would see the biggest grin on my face because I remember what that was like, going to that dance, hanging out with my daughter and you know their friends, you know beforehand, and all of the fathers together, and how much joy we all got from knowing that we were, we were there, we were present in our kids' lives. And I mentioned in the piece, as a matter of fact, that my youngest. Uh, has an unrealistic expectation that she is my favorite child. <laughs> <laughs> now, you, could, you know, it's only us. Is she your favorite? Go ahead. Just be honest right now. <laughs> that is horrible. <laughs> she already believes that anyway, so yeah. I'm not sure that this is going to help. But but there, there's a reason why that, that, you know, that sense is there. Because like I said, again, I've, I have been present. And I think that in the case of any father who is there in their kids' lives – your kids are going to feel like they're the greatest people in the world because they're going to recognize that they feel like the greatest people in when when they're with you. Yeah. And that's that's just the beauty of it. They've been wrapped in that love. You throughout your essay you um quote um the song Daughters by John Mayer and one of the lyrics you reference is fathers be good to your daughters daughters will love like you do. Um that 
felt so relevant to this movie because just how these daughters feel about their fathers, but also how the fathers are looking at these, you know, little girls or young women that they haven't gotten to spend the time with that they maybe have wanted. And I guess wondering what that's going to do for to them for the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. I mean, is that that's got to be kind of hard to watch. It is hard to watch. And again, you know, I that song was in my head as I was trying to put this all together. So it just, it felt right and maybe a little on the nose at first. But then when I really sat down and and focused on the lyrics, there are so many powerful moments in that song where he's really capturing, you know, the impact of those relationships. You know, that sense that, yeah, like my, my, my daughter loves like I do. And I think she loves me in the way that I love her. And if every father could recognize that in their relationship with their kids, there's real, again, there's an amazing power in that. Because again, you're not just, it's not just about what I feel as a parent, but you know that they have that, they have their own version of that feeling about you too. Mm Mm-hmm. And how they should expect to be loved by other people in their lives. Right, right. Yeah. There's a great responsibility in that, that, you know, when you become a parent, however you become a parent, I'm not sure that we ever completely think about that up front. We get it as we go along. And the longer you're in it, the more impactful that becomes. And yeah, fortunately, I'm in the position where I get to think about and sit in these feelings a little bit more and hopefully remind people of that so that they can then sit in those same feelings too. Yeah. Well, we're going to continue this conversation in just a moment. This is Cincinnati Edition. This is Cincinnati Edition on 91.7 WVXU. I'm Lucy May. We're continuing our conversation about how fatherhood is portrayed in films and some new movies that explore the relationships between fathers and their sons and daughters. My guest is film critic T.T. Stern-Enzi. T.T., we talked at the top of our last, um, at the earlier part of our conversation about what inspired you to kind of go on this journey, seeing how fatherhood is portrayed in the films. You have some health issues that you're dealing with. Talk about how that played into this whole journey. Well, again, yeah, that's kind of the, the start of this whole journey for me. I, um, I've i been diagnosed with prostate cancer, and part of my journey with that is I, I started getting tested when I turned 40, so it's been about 15 years, because I knew that it was an issue that was uh, in my father's family. Uh, my father, both of his brothers, my grandfather all had it and in one way or another died from it. So I didn't actually have a relationship with my with my birth father. I met him one time before he died. Um, but I wanted to meet him to kind of put a, a face to this thing that was in me that I was carrying. And now that I've done that, uh, it felt like the next obvious step, which is to kind of share that experience with other people. So for me, you know, again, writing about fatherhood and seeing it in film and kind of and noticing and recognizing how all these things play out was uh, something that I wanted to share with readers and listeners and however people, you know, access whatever I put out there in the world. Uh, because, yeah, there's one thing for someone to walk up to me on the street and say, hey, you know, movie guy, I love seeing you talk about movies or hearing you talk about movies. But I'm hoping now that 
if I share this journey that I'm on and this piece of it, that maybe they will also look at me and say, well, hey, wow, I never thought about getting tested before. Maybe I should. And I would say, yes, the sooner, the better. Mm-hmm. You know, the sooner you fi- you find these things out, the more opportunities you have to address them without them becoming uh, much more severe and terminal than, mm-hmm. you know, than they normally are. So mm-hmm. that's that's a big part of it for me. And again, yeah, I I did not get to have these conversations with my father, but in some ways I had very limited interactions with my last surviving uncle before he died. And I was able to ask him questions about his condition, how he handled it. And yeah, I think in that process of kind of going through that with him, it made me think, well, yeah, I need to I need to figure out a way to share this with other people. Sure. That makes you think about your role as a parent differently too, I'm sure, when you mm-hmm. get a diagnosis like that. Let's talk about some more of these movies that you saw. Good One is a movie that tells the story, as you put it, of an imperfect white father. Tell us a little bit about this film without giving away too much. Right. That's the That was the tricky part about just talking about this film in general. It's, it's a great, great story. It's a typical kind of indie drama, very small, uh, insular kind of focus. It's a... A father who goes on a, you know, just a weekend hiking trip with his his daughter and his best friend. And along the way, initially, they were supposed that the best friend was supposed to bring one of his kids as well. That fell through. So all of a sudden you have, you know, the one daughter who's with these two grown men trying to figure out, you know, yeah, they're used to going on trips together. But there's she's getting older and there's a different dynamic at play. Um, so you get to see sort of hints of how her maturity level and where she is is changing and, and the impact that it's having on these men. And yeah, there's, like I said, there's something about the father in that who's played by James LaGrosse, who, you know, is a, he, he's doing the best he can to be a good father and to be present and offer whatever he can. But there's this very interesting blind side and blind spot that he has that once it's revealed, it changes everything. And I looked at him and I thought, huh, I've never seen, not only have I never really seen this aspect of father who portrayed in film or television, but I was definitely thinking, yeah, he, we're giving him a lot of sympathy in a situation that if he were, a black father, we would not be giving him the same degree of sympathy. Mm-hmm. And it was in my head, it was kind of, well, why, why is that? Or what is, what is going on? And it took me back to, you know, fathers and not fathers, but, but daughters. The, the earlier film that we talked about how in that case you had incarcerated men who are really doing the best they can with the situation that they find themselves in. And, I don't know that we feel the same way about them. We don't give them the same benefit of the doubt that we're giving this guy in good one. Um, And I just wanted to remind people of that so that, again, as you go in and you watch these two films and you look at these, these examples, like what, you know, how are we comparing these two? What does this say about us? Because I think it has less to do with, the real life fathers and daughters, or even the the fictional father and good one, it's about us and how we're looking at those relationships and what we what value we place on the types of men 
that we think we're seeing in these situations. Yeah, kind of the preconceived notions we bring to what we watch right. on these on these screens. Um, I also want to talk about exhibiting forgiveness. Uh, this sounds like a really powerful film. Talk about the premise of this movie. Yeah, this one uh, was the most powerful uh, of the the five films that I talk about from from Sundance as part of this, and it's uh, the story of an artist, a black artist who is a father and a husband. Um, he is he has a young son and a wife who's also a, a musician and artist as well, and he's dealing with, I guess, in his work the dynamic of what it means to be a good good son and a good father. But he's doing this with the backdrop of the idea that his father was an, is, is a recovering addict and he doesn't have a good relationship with his father at all. Um, and as we see him in the film, that the father is in recovery. He gets back into not only his son's life, but also uh, his ex-wife as well. And that causes some real tension and frustration in in the son who's played by Andre Holland, like how comfortable he is with this man who he obviously has deep seated issues with kind of trying to reassert himself in everyone's life. And ultimately it also kind of impacts, uh, you know, the, the artist work as well in terms of how, yeah, how he handles um, the idea and the impact of his father's, past life on his own experiences. And how did this movie speak to you and in your own relationship with your father? Well, again, as I said, I never I never got to have any of these conversations with my father. So in some ways, seeing someone else go through that experience was cathartic in a way because it's kind of like, wow, I wish maybe if I'd had the opportunity, I would have said some of those things to my own father. Um, but I'm also kind of glad that I didn't, um, because I think as much as I'm spending time working on this, this artistic journey now, if you will, of looking at these stories and trying to figure out how to critically analyze them to a certain extent, I, I don't know that I would want to have my father in my work that much. That as I watch the film and you see the burden that this artist bears as he's doing it, and it's not just his story, it's also the filmmaker as well, is a visual artist who is now making feature films. He tells us that this is also his story as well. And I, I give him an awful lot of credit too, because again, he's laying so much of his own life and experience bare for the audience to sort of see and like I said, that you know that that's a big burden that he's been carrying probably his entire life as an artist and as a person as well. Uh, that's yeah, that's just something that I don't think I could have I could have handled for twenty plus years as a film critic and a writer if I had to to really be thinking about and living in that every single day. It's challenging enough to do it right now, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, every day would be potentially soul crushing. Mm -hmm. Although you might get some really great art out of it too. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. It's a balancing act. Well, we never have enough time. I've been talking with film critic T.T. Stern Enzi. Thank you so much for your time today, T.T. 
Thank you. Thank you very much. You can read TT's reviews of the movies we discussed and his beautiful essay exploring fatherhood on our website, wvxu.org. And now that you've heard this conversation, that's the next thing you should do. Go onto your computer, log on, and read it right now. You've been listening to Cincinnati Edition on 91.7 WVXU. Our producer is Selena Reeder. Associate producer is Asiya Johnson. Technical director is Marshall Verbsky. Rob Fetters composed our theme music. I'm Lucy May. Thank you so much for listening.